Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, we were off yesterday. It was a holiday, at least for us. It was Columbus Day. We were off. And if anybody wasn't notified, if anybody tuned in expecting to hear the George Wilder Jr. show live, we were off. Every now and then, we're off, folks. We do a four-day show, uh, an hour and a half, two hours maybe. And holidays come up. We celebrate just like everybody else. So, you know, a lot of times I don't uh, notify people that I'm going to be off for that particular holiday. But it's understandable. It would be noticeable. there is plenty of um, podcasts on this Block Talk Radio website that you can listen to, The George Wilder Jr. Show. There's a lot of other ones, too, but uh, skip those and listen to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, it is. It was 90 degrees today, folks. It was 90 degrees t- today and yesterday in the city of Chicago, and it's unusual for October, right? <laughs> for October, and um, somebody sent me an email here. Chloe Salas for George Wilder Jr. October. I hope you. I hope something. I got to check this email out, folks. But anyway, it's it's uh, beautiful in the city of Chicago. It's ninety degrees, obviously uh, above normal for this time of the year, fall above normal. But hey, nobody is. Uh, none of us around here in this area bitching about it. Believe me. I mean, we're glad as hell we're taking a, uh, 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 advantage of it. I mean, we were out earlier today walking in the rain and it suddenly tapered off. It was 90 degrees. It felt great. And if it's n- great in your neck of the woods, get out there and enjoy yourself. Get some of this nature before you want people to get out of there. Winter going to keep you inside. Um, but it was great. It was beautiful today. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, someone sent me a list of questions that they want me to try to at least give my opinion on, not to answer them. You know, someone sent uh, to to do on the show a list of questions. None of this stuff is political, so don't expect anything political. Even if you do, I I understand. But these are not political here. These are just ordinary, straight up questions. You know, like. Do apps help you or just waste your time? And I would, I, I would, uh, something's banging in my ear. Hold on. I would probably say it's up to the individual, it, the individual. Uh, but anyway, it, it's, it's 12 of it's We have 12 of them today and uh, we're going to see, um, we're going to try to answer as many as we can. Anyway, the banging you just heard, the ding, 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 you're going to hear that every now and then. I, I believe the computer that I'm working on, that I'm working on here, has some sort of a infestation that we're trying to deal with. So if you hear that ding, 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 ding every now and then, ignore it. We're trying to work and fix and trying to update our software uh, to try to get this infestation off. Yeah, we had a virus on it. We... we yeah, well, people are are spreading shit, you know, all over the place. So we have to uh, try and counter it. But it's nothing. I don't think it's nothing dire or anything. So you'll hear that ding, ding, ding every now and then, and uh, that's me trying to click it off, click off of it, or just silence it. So I did silence it for a while. So uh, like I said before, it's going around. I mean, I mean, people are being everywhere you you go or everywhere. You go online. People are being hacked. They're talking about hacking. 
yes, I was hacked. I was hacked. My radio show was hacked. Uh, my Facebook page was hacked. My link LinkedIn account was was hacked. Uh, emails were hacked, and uh, nothing uh, 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 ferocious. But it's just the hackers letting you know that they got you in their sights. This is what this is. It's the hackers letting you know they, they got you in their sights. Okay, update available. It says here my software is installed now. It says updates available. I, I don't even like to in, install updates because some of these updates you install may carry viruses. You don't know. If you're gonna if you're gonna install updates on your computer, make sure you know who you're installing your updates from. Um uh, Microsoft sends out a lot of updates. Well, we know Microsoft, but even Microsoft, uh, if someone says, well, updates coming from, coming from Microsoft, you better make sure that those updates are actually coming from Microsoft because there's so many uh, uh, hackers and scammers out there could build a page, a web page made to be look, to look exactly like it's coming from uh, Microsoft and it's not. So it's it's tough to try to keep up with the scammers. It's tough to try to keep up with those out there who are hacking into everything we do. As Facebook, I was getting notices on Facebook from friends who say that I was sending them friendship requests. Now that was wrong. I mean, why would you want to send someone a friendship request when they're already friends. They're already your friend. So that's someone who hacked into their account, hacked into your account and uh, claiming to be you and, you know, stuff like that. And it's going around. It's going around. And it would seem that Facebook would be up on this by now. You know, I mean, if it's not you, it's not you. You know, people saying, well, this is the George Wilder Jr. show. And in reality, it's not the George Wilder Jr. show. It's someone, it's some hacker or some scammer saying that they're the George Wilder Jr. show to try to get your information. And that's going on a lot. And this computer here where I am actually uh, broadcasting the show from, yeah, it is. It has been hacked. There is a virus. I, I keep getting these pop-ups and everything. But, but... You know, I'm going to um, check up, check my uh, virus software update and get this crap out of here. You know, I mean, it's going to take some time. Um, I'm going to try to have it, you know, the computer cleaned. I can always take the computer back to factory seconds. Back, if I can say this, <laughs> I'm having a hard time trying to talk. I'm going to try and take the computer. And you can do the same thing. If you have a computer and you feel as though there's something wrong, it's hacked, there's viruses all over the place, malware, spyware. If you feel that you then actually just shut your computer down and take it back to factory settings. That means take your computer back to the way it was the moment you bought it. There's nothing on there. Clean it out. Clean it off. And when you're doing that, and when you're cleaning your computer out and cleaning it off, you're getting rid of the viruses and the malware and the software. You, you're also cleaning that garbage out 
of your computer and you are giving this, the scammers a hard time because a lot of times when these hackers get into your computer, they can get all in, up into financial inf- information because they know that a lot of us, a lot of us buy stuff online and we put in our credit card number, social security number, our addresses. This is what they want. Why do they want all this information? So they can try to steal your cash, get into your bank accounts, get into your wallets, you know, draw money, draw your money, withdraw your money from an ATM machine. And also scammers will try to get your information online so they can keep calling you uh, on the phone trying to get you to buy something. Yeah, I, I do think that I do think that a lot of uh, the unnecessary phone calls you get, uh, people trying to sell you stuff and st- sell you merchandise and uh, get your credit card number and, and try to fool you into giving uh, get, giving all your information. They work hand-in-hand with some of these guys and girls who are out there hacking into your computer trying to get your information. And... The sad part about it is that so many people fall into this gap. So many people are fooled. After so many years of, of knowing what's out here and how not to get taken advantage of by uh, telemarketers, if they are telemarketers, calling you every second. I mean, for me personally, my phone has been, I mean, I get about 10 or 20, sometimes 20 scam calls a day from people trying to get my information. 10 to 20 of them every day. And the, and the gall of some of these folks who are calling you, and some of them just call and hang up. They don't, and then there's those who call. If you don't answer, they leave a message. You know, <laughs> I'm saying uh, you have three saved messages and I'm going and I'm saying I didn't save any messages. That's the scammers. If they can't get you uh, live on phone, they will try and uh, they will that what they're saying will go over into your voicemail. Suddenly you you're uh, notified that you got 10 voicemails or 25 voicemails. Or more, and you go to try to see what the hell they are because you don't recognize the phone numbers or anything uh, from caller ID. And you go, at least for me, then I go, uh, you know, check out these voicemen. And suddenly, every one of them, all 30 of them, are scams. And I'm going like, delete, delete, delete. I listen for a second, then I go, delete, 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 delete. delete. I'm up. Standing up here 30 minutes deleting scam callers from my email who have left, I mean, scam callers from my voicemail. Don't even talk about the emails. It's everywhere, folks. I mean, they are on our asses trying to get our information. You have to be up on it. Your kids have to be up on it. Your grandparents and grandchildren have to be up on it because they are out here. No one is safe. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how much you got, how much money you have, or, or whatever you might have. 
these people are out here. If you have one penny, they're going to come after that. They want that. If you ain't got nothing, they want that. They are out here, in, and they're not all overseas. Some of them are here, right here in America. Some of them, are, some of them might be living right next to you. You never know. You never know. But anyway, watch yourself uh, 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 with these scams. They are out here, and they are for real. You know, and I can go check my phone right now. And I'll bet you I have about five to five to ten, maybe fifteen scam calls on my phone. On my phone. And as I've just got through saying, and I, I just go politely and delete them. Okay, that's 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 the sound you hear when, you know, there's Actually, that's a good sound. It's saying that we caught. Uh, it's saying that we caught a um, virus on your computer, and we have deleted it. So that's basically what that sound means. But sometimes it takes me four or five clicks to click off of it because it keeps popping up. Because they're see, it, it now it's just saying threat secured. That's all, and you know, so you're here every now and then. Okay. So um, threat secured. Thre- okay, another threat secured. That means that there, this software, this virus software that I'm using is taking out the malware, the spyware. And every time it takes something out that's threatening my computer, it goes ding, ding, ding. And I go, okay. You know, so, <laughs> so, uh, I have a guest uh, supposedly coming on the show today. So it's going to be probably a lot of ding, ding, ding going on while we're trying to uh, – See, there it goes. Um, I wish I could. Uh, there's nothing I can do. It's just only thing I can do is click off of it. There's nothing saying that I can get rid of it because it's it's software installed on computer. Okay. All right. Here we go. The George Wilder Jr. Show is finally on the air. We are going to be discussing these ten questions throughout the show uh, that someone has sent to me, and they want to know my you know opinion of what, whatever's going on. Okay, when we come back after this musical break, after this musical break, we will get into some of those questions that um, uh, this person sent me. Uh, once again, uh, author Jonathan Myers will be on the George Wilder Jr. show, and uh, looking forward to that, right? Okay. <laughs> right back after this musical break the George Wilder Jr. show has now arrived
All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. Uh, all righty. And we have uh, a lot of things popping up here. As I said before, we are working on the computer, trying to rid it of viruses, spyware, and malware, and all that kind of thing. And it's having a positive effect, you know, because the other day I couldn't even go on because of this. Anyway, um, just sort of check to make sure we are on. Okay. All right. You know, I've heard that I've heard that show is one of the finest internet podcast radio shows in the city of Chicago. I've heard that. How true it is, I don't know. So, okay, I've heard that, but how true it is, I don't know. Um, and I'm hoping that it's very, very true <laughs> because I work hard, hard on it and, and will continue to work hard on the show. Okay, let's see if the ding, ding, ding is going. All righty. It says here, another question someone sent in. It says, how do you, a diary or journal? I guess someone may be talking about uh, what I'm doing, research or writing or something to that effect. No, I don't. I don't keep a diary. I don't keep a journal. Only thing I do is just sit down and write. That's it. I don't even outline stuff. You know, a lot of people say, well, if you're going to write something, you're going to outline. I don't outline. I just sit and write. That's all I do. I don't, uh, I do some research when it calls for research. If, I, if I'm doing a story or a novel that calls for research, and I do the research, but if I'm not doing a story or a novel that calls for research, I will not do research. I'll just sit down and write. But majority of the things that I've written, I you know, I don't think any writer can get away with too much without doing some kind of research on what they're doing. Of course, there's, there's a lot of things I don't know about. There's a lot of places I haven't been. There's a lot of places I have, a lot of things I don't know I have a clue of. I have to research in order to make it sound authentic when I write it. Yeah, and basically I, I do fiction. I'm doing a, non, I'm doing a nonfiction right now, uh, and I'm doing a fiction right now. Uh, right now as we speak and I'm going to try to have that by 2019 in 2019 at some point Um, but yeah no 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 I do not keep a diary or a journal I'm pretty sure there's a lot of writers who do Uh, there are some things that I do as a writer I always I jot things down (laughs) I I may do a little research. I may, you know, things down that I may want to, you know, add on later on into the book or story that I'm writing. But no, 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 I do not keep a a, a diary or a journal. Sometimes I just, sometimes, most of the times, I just sit and write. That's it. I mean, you have a lot of people who just sit down and just write. You know, no, no research, no diary, no journal, no nothing. Just sit down, bing, 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 bing. Hey, wow, and it's good stuff, and it's good, good stuff. And there, no, and then there are those people who cannot do that, and that's understandable. There are people who have to outline uh, their material before they can, you know, write it. It has to be outlined. It has to be, which I, which I can understand that. And I, I'm not criticizing people who outline. I'm not criticizing people who research in order to get their book written. I think that's a great way of doing it. But just for me, I, uh, 
I <laughs> I don't re- I just sit down and write. That's it. Okay, I hope that answered that answered that particular question. Uh yeah, okay, the next one. Let's see what we got. Okay, uh should students be allowed to uh take drug tests? Okay, I'm going to I'm just uh looking over them, picking out the ones I wanna answer. Um <laughs> uh, should should students be allowed to take drug tests? Hmm. That's a, that's one. I want to say yes. I I, I want to say yes. You know, uh, to that question. But I'm pretty sure a lot of parents would probably say they don't want their kids taking a drug test because their kids they don't take drugs. Uh, a drug test. Um, so, but my. From my standpoint, I think uh, kids in public schools and even in some private schools, grammar schools, high schools, things like that. Um, I mean, if there's a suspicion that this child may be on drugs, you know, of course, if if there's a suspicion of heavy drug use, of course. Uh so that's a iffy kind of a question. It depends on uh, it depends on the school, the um, the administration, and uh, the administration of that particular school if they should do drug tests um, uh, on on. You know that's an iffy question. I, but inside of me, said yeah, dr- drug test them all because we don't want any druggers graduating high school or graduating grammar school and high school and entering in college, you know, so, uh, yeah, drug tech, drug test them all. Then, you know, parents, as I said, parents will say, Hey, wow, I don't want you drug testing my kid. My kid is not a drug addict. What do you mean by saying that my kid could be doing drugs, you know? And then you look at the school, the school and the, uh, the, uh, surroundings, the neighborhood and all that kind of thing. And if the school feels that the neighborhood is a drug area, uh, some kids that are coming to the school may be on drugs or selling drugs, of course. You know, but it's an iffy question. It's it's one that you can say, yeah, you can drug test them. No, don't touch them. You know, so until you actually find out that they're actually on drugs, doing drugs or selling drugs. Okay, that is my answer to that question, okay? <laughs> it might not be a conducive one. It may be one you may not agree with, but that's what I'm, what I'm saying, okay? Do you support, another question someone sent me, do you support affirmative action? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I support it. I, I think I support it. Um, To, to get people who low income people to uh, I mean go to colleges and universities and and uh, become someone alongside with their white peers I believe in it but I, I, I do think people should actually pull themselves up by their own bootstraps I think people should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps I I did it, you know, and uh, I guess 
I'm just one of those people who think other people should be uh, doing the same. And uh, I don't think anyone should be uh, relying on affirmative action. But if it's there and if it's done the right way, of course, you know, of course. But basically, I think that people should, um, I think people should, uh, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps. I did. I mean, I came up with nothing. I mean, I picked myself up. I picked myself up two or three times, and uh, affirmative action never did anything for me. Uh, they can stick it, they can take it and stick it, but for other people, you know, it, it might be uh, wise or, or fruitful. But for me, I don't think so. Um, personally, I don't think so. But I, as I've said, I, I can't speak for other people. So do I think affirmative action is a good thing? Yeah, I think it's a good thing. But I do think let me let me back up. I do think people who are down on their luck, who are down on their luck, and want to make something of themselves, they should do it themselves, without the government, without without anybody, even if fam family, friends, or whatever, make it on your own because. Because sometimes these people are 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 not going to be on your side. Okay, that's my <laughs> that's my take on a on affirmative action. Okay, eh, here's another question. Someone says, um, George, what motivates you? What motivates me? Wow, even I have to think about it. <laughs> I don't know what motivates me is. Seeing my son, one, one of the things that motivate me, seeing my son graduate from grammar school to high school and high school to college, and that always motivates me to want to be the best father in the world. That motivates me. Uh, writing a good book or a good story that someone likes, someone reviews, uh, giving great feedback off that story, that motivates me. This doesn't. <laughs> Uh, I guess there's quite a few things that motivate me, motivates me, but this, but those two uh, come to mind so far. And um, I don't know, good weather motivates me. You know, uh, seeing people happy motivates me. Um, seeing people enjoy some of the things I do motivates me. And hearing their praise of something, some of the things I do motivates me even more. I've had people email me, call me, text me, um, telling me what, uh, you know, telling me what I do is, is great and wonderful and all this kind of thing. I never, I never really let any of that go to my head. I, I don't let any of, okay. All right, I never let any of that go to my head. When people start saying, George, keep doing what you're doing, you're great, you're wonderful, I never let any of that go to my head. Because the moment I get off the show, I'm just George Wilder Jr. around the house, uh, you know, out, out and about. Because most people, I mean, when I walk outside, nobody runs up to me and asks me for an autograph. Nobody asks me uh, uh, how did my show go. Nobody asks me about the latest book that I've written. Nobody, and, and, and in some ways, I am so glad. I am so proud of that. I, you know, I'm glad that I'm not so much recognized around in my own neighborhood, my own area, that I am online. 
you know, because I don't think I could deal with it. If I, if people were running up to me and, and asking me this and asking me that wanting an autograph and praising some of the things that I do. And I don't think I could handle it. I don't think I could handle <laughs> being a Michael Jackson, having to be in Scott d- disguise to go to the movies or something. Uh, I don't think I could do that or, or anything. I'm, that's why I am so glad that it's not happening. As I've said, when I when I jump on the computer and go here or go there, all oh, people are all over the place. But once I I'm off the computer and if I'm walking outside or something, nobody knows who the hell I am, and everybody just walking past me and looking at me just as strange. <laughs> in some cases, or not looking at me at all, or not paying any attention, and that's that's cool with me, you know, because I I don't think I could, I don't think I would want a fan base in the area where I live, and where before you couldn't walk to the store, you couldn't walk to the park where people are, you know, always walking up on you, and. In this day and age, when you're living in the city of Chicago, you don't want anybody walking up on you. You know, so I've had one or two people come to me around here in this area and say, hey, man, um, we saw your post on Facebook, uh, whatever. Hey, man, we listened to your show or whatever, but not many. However, if I should go online or Facebook or LinkedIn or some of these other places, tune in, iTunes, I'll get a million people saying, you know, this or that, this or that. But it's like it's like two worlds almost, you know, uh, the online world and the world outside of my studio. The world outside of my studio don't even know who the hell I am, and they don't and they don't care, you know, because <laughs> people are going about their businesses. People are trying to deal with their own lives. You know, I mean, things are tough in America and uh, prices uh, are uh, food prices, prices for this. But you know what's what's stunning is that if you walk into a secondhand store, you know, or a thrift store where where most of the time they're selling used items, you know, clothing, I, I found out that in this day and age, uh, when you walk into a secondhand store and you go to buy secondhand clothes, you might as well buy them brand new because that secondhand store is charging the same price for used clothes, old clothes, than the store down the street that's charging for new clothes. Times have gotten that bad. I mean, you 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 go to buy used furniture, you're gonna pay as much for that used furniture, even more than for new furniture. For new furniture. Wow, things have gotten that bad, and things are getting worse all the time. People are in trouble. The homeless population out here is off the hook. It's off the hook, and it breaks your heart when you see people, uh, especially young people, who tell you that they want to go to school, they want to get an education, they're in college, they want to do the right things to make uh, to make um, 
life better for themselves, but they don't have anywhere to stay. They don't have anywhere to sleep. That breaks your heart. If you're human, it would. Uh, it, it happened to me once. It really happened to me. I was working um, uh, down here at this um, this agency. This um, um, this agency. I'm not going to call the name or the people. Uh, this agency uh, in the back office. But every now and then, I got a uh, uh, I got a chance to talk to some of the clients. That our clients were needy people, poor people. You know. Uh, uh, I worked around uh, social workers, caseworkers, and it was it was in the field of sociology. But anyway, you were dealing with the public, and people would come in saying they didn't have a place to stay, they didn't have food to eat. It was it was heartbreaking. They didn't have a place to stay, they didn't have food to eat, they didn't have friends, they didn't have nowhere to turn. So they turned to me, at least one of us. Uh, inside this agency to help them. And it would be so heartbreaking to know that we couldn't help because the shelters were overcrowded. Some of the shelters, you had to have some sort of referral to get in. Back in the day, if you were homeless, you could just walk into a shelter, just walk inside. Nothing said, just walk inside, get a bed, bing. But nowadays, you can't do that. You cannot just walk into any shelter, at least not in the city of Chicago. I don't, uh, I don't know where else this might be. But anyway, there used to be a time when you could just walk in. But now you cannot, you cannot just walk into a shelter. You have to have some sort of referral. Somebody has, has to have uh, told you about it, ID. You have all of that. Uh, uh, in some cases, they are uh, going to run your fingerprint to see if you have some sort of a criminal record. So you really can't get into a shelter that easily no more, anymore. Uh, and that's a shame. So a lot of people do not have IDs. A lot of people can't get in referrals. And another thing, a lot of these shelters are big on taking battered women, domestic uh, uh, incidences against women and families. A lot of shelters will not take men. Uh, maybe boys, but not men. So you see a lot of men out on the street because some of these shelters uh, will only take families, women, children, and babies, you know, and domestic violence. Uh, people who are, who are involved in domestic violence. So it's tough. And a lot of these shelters become overcrowded and they have to turn people away because of the homeless, homeless uh, out on the street. What causes homeless? High rents. The rents are just spiring out of control. I met a young man the other day. He was out on the streets, working the streets, trying to get people to sign some sort of petition to put a stop to landlords raising rents anytime they want to and raising them as high as they want to. They even had 
some kind of uh, uh, vote in the city council on this. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people complaining about this. A lot of renters, a lot of tenants who are renting, who are complaining about this to the mayor and the city fathers of the city of Chicago and elsewhere. And I do think that rents are too out of control. They are out of control. I mean, anytime you, anytime, oh, there's the bell. Anytime, um, a two-bedroom apartment going to cost you almost $3,000 a month. And that's not even including uh, utilities. It's a damn shame. But, you know, until something is done, people are going to be priced out into the street. Period. People are going to be priced out into the streets. Rentalists, I mean, you pay almost $3,000 a month for an apartment. Now, people are doing it. I guess they can afford it. You can do it. But it, but I'm thinking that you can take that $2,000. Oh, okay. I'm thinking that you can take that almost $2,000 a month and put it put down on a house or a condo. At least, at least, if you're giving your money to somebody, you're giving it, you're giving it, you're giving it towards ownership, you know. Because what, you're renting an apartment, you never own that apartment. I mean, they're going to be raising that rent like hell, and you'll never, never own it. But uh, you get your condo, or, or you put down on a house, or something. You paying when you pay your mortgage, you're paying towards ownership of that home someday. Do you really own a home when you? pay it off do you really no you do not you do not own your home yeah i mean you spent 30 years paying off your home and finally you're making that last payment do you think you own it no fucking way you'll never own that house even after you've paid off the entire mortgage, and you know what I'm getting at here, taxes. You miss your month, you, you miss, excuse me, you miss your six-month tax bill or your yearly annual tax bill. Keep on missing it. The government's coming after your house. They're going to throw you out because you have not paid your taxes on that house. You will never, ever own that house. It's a damn shame. You should. You should. And that's why a lot of people are getting apartments. That's, a lot, that's why a lot of people are buying condos because they know they will never own their home. Same thing with a condo. I mean, you pay off your condo, you're going to have to pay yearly taxes on it. If you don't pay yearly taxes on it, you're going to lose it. And then there you are in the street. You done paid off your home. You paid it off. It's supposed to be yours. Why are you homeless? Why are you homeless? That's a damn shame. This is one of the reasons or the reasons why people are homeless out here in the streets today, being priced out of their apartments. 
I mean, it's heartbreaking to see entire families, homeless, walking down the streets. Mama uh, pushing a baby in a stroller uh, with two kids walking on the side. Dad right behind him. An entire family out in the streets. And that's reality. It happens all the time. You see them every day. The reason why there's not too many homeless people in the area where I am, right here, right now, is because there's no services for them here. The homeless people are going to go where there are services for them, housing, uh, food, um, CTA cards, or, or whatever they may be able to get after they prove that they are out on the street. Shelter. You know, so they're going to go where the needs are, food pantries, soup kitchens, uh, uh, Salvation Army. This is where they're going to go. And those places that they go are not in the area where I am. That's why you don't see too many here. I mean, you go you go in some of these far south side neighborhoods, some of these far west side neighborhoods. You see some homeless people, but, you know, in some areas of the city of Chicago, it is they uh, cater to homeless people. So homeless people are going to go where they are being catered to. You, know, you see a lot of people on the corner begging, asking for money. But you know what? A lot of those people out here on the corner begging, give me a, give me a dollar, give me two dollars, uh, give me something, I'm, I'm hungry, give me, uh, I'm, I'm out on the street. A lot of those folks that some of us call them panhandlers, panhandlers, uh, then others, some of us call them just plain old beggars. Um, a lot of those folks are not homeless. I'm not saying there's not a few out there who aren't begging, sitting in the mud and begging, uh, are not homeless. But a lot of folks out here who are begging for your money, when you're walking down the street, they're not homeless. They're not homeless. Uh, for instance, I know this for a fact because it used to be this, this lady. This looked like she's in her 80s or something. Looked like she was in her 80s. She would be sitting out here on the fire the fire hydrant begging you got a dollar you got two dollars and she would be sitting out there every day the sun is shining it's hot pissy hot pissy humid she was you got a dollar you got a dollar and when the sun went down it got a it got a little cooler she would go up to her condo yes she had a condo right down the street from me. But yet she will still come out and beg. She probably she probably was getting more social security than anybody and other form of income. But this woman just I think she just liked it. She liked begging. And I I think that goes for a lot of people. I think a lot of people just get out here to beg, just to be begging. Because they feel you're going to give them something. A lot of these people may have a job. But you can't really uh, deny the homeless problem out here. 
there are a, quite a few people out here who are in the streets. And, and there's a lot of people out here who are in the streets due to no fault of their own. There's no doubt about that. But personally, I have stopped giving money to homeless people. When I found out that these people, <laughs> these people, uh, some of them treated begging as a job, as they were going to work or something. And so I stopped. I said, this, uh, this is to stop. I mean, this woman in this condo, these people out here begging as if they don't have any food. They don't have a place to stay. And they do, do. Some of them may not, but a lot of them do. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I don't give to homeless people anymore. I just don't do it. It's not that I'm heartless. It's not that I don't care. I just don't do it because in some states, in some areas, there is a homeless person or somebody begging, especially in the big city. There's somebody begging on every damn corner you get to. If you gave every beggar every cent that you had on you, you would be broke. And they will still be out there begging. So if I'm going to give to homeless people, I'll give to those agencies that caters to helping those people better themselves like Salvation Army or some shelter or something, um, agencies and charities that cater to helping those folks. The money is better used giving it to Salvation Army, your favorite charity or whatever. The money is better used that way than handing $5 to somebody sitting in the, sitting in the mud on the ground and begging for money. Because that person just going to take that $5, stuff it in his pocket or her pocket, and then keep on begging. Then after the, you know, after the begging is done, they're going to go and buy something, some liquor, more likely, and a pack of cigarettes. You're better off giving. I know there's a lot of people out here with giving hearts. I mean, they just have to give. I mean... I mean, there was years ago when, when I was giving, I felt that I was giving because I was, you know, I cared so much. I cared about them. Yeah. But then as time went on, I'm seeing, I'm seeing that this is not a good thing to do. I think I wrote about it somewhere, <laughs> fiction or somewhere. Anyway, it, it's, it's not good. But the homeless uh, population and it, it's growing. It is really bad, folks. It is totally bad because it's hard now for a lot of these folks, even if they're even if some people are working jobs part time or or working minimum wage jobs. Minimum wage jobs are working part time. They're still not making enough money to get a studio apartment. Not even a studio apartment, not even a one room apartment. It is out of the box. It is off the hook. Uh, okay. It is off the hook when it comes to, you know, affordable housing in the city of Chicago, and I'm pretty sure in a lot of other places. It is totally off the hook. 
So, all right. So you've been listening to the George Walter Jr. Show. So I guess I've answered that question. <laughs> I really lingered on it. Okay. The, okay. We're going to take a musical break and we'll be right back with another question. Someone has asked me, emailed in and asked me, uh, and I'm going to try to answer it if I can. wanted was a much-deserved promotion, and he told me to get up on the desk and spread them. All the men in my office wrote down on a piece of paper the sexual favors that I could do for them. All I had asked for was an office with a window. I asked for his advice about how I could get a bill out of committee. He asked me if I brought my knee pads. Those are just a few of the horrific stories that I heard from women over the last year as I've been investigating workplace sexual harassment. And what I've found out is that it's an epidemic across the world. It's a horrifying reality for millions of women 
when all they want to do every day is go to work. Sexual harassment doesn't discriminate. You can wear a skirt, hospital scrubs, army fatigues. You can be young or old, married or single, black or white. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. I heard from so many women, police officers, members of our military, financial assistants, actors, engineers, lawyers, bankers, accountants, teachers, journalists. Sexual harassment, it turns out, is not about sex. It's about power. And about what somebody does to you to try and take away your power. And I'm here today to encourage you to know that you can take that power back. <laughs> On July 6, 2016, I jumped off a cliff all by myself. It was the scariest moment of my life, an excruciating choice to make. I fell into an abyss all alone, not knowing what would be below. But then something miraculous started to happen. Thousands of women started reaching out to me to share their own stories of pain and agony and shame. They told me that I became their voice. They were voiceless. And suddenly I realized that even in the 21st century, every woman still has a story. Like Joyce, a flight attendant supervisor whose boss in meetings every day would tell her about the porn that he'd watched the night before while drawing penises on his notepad. She went to complain. She was called crazy and fired. Like Joanne, Wall Street banker, her male colleagues would call her that vile C word every day. She complained, labeled a troublemaker, never to do another Wall Street deal again. Like Elizabeth, an army officer. Her male subordinates would wave $1 bills in her face and say, Dance for me. And when she went to complain to a major, he said, What, only $1? You're worth at least five or ten.、Yeah. After reading, replying to all, and crying over all of these emails, I realized I had so much work to do. Here are the startling facts. One in three women that we know of have been sexually harassed in the workplace. 71% of those incidences never get reported. Why? Because when women come forward, they're still called liars and troublemakers and demeaned and trashed and demoted and blacklisted and fired. Reporting sexual harassment can be, in many cases, career ending. Of all the women that reached out to me, almost none are still today working in their chosen profession, and that is outrageous. I too was silent in the beginning. It happened to me at the end of my year as Miss America when I was meeting with a very high ranking TV executive in New York City. I thought he was helping me throughout the day, making a lot of phone calls. We went to dinner, and in the back seat of a car, he suddenly lunged on top of me and stuck his tongue down my throat. 
I didn't realize that to get into the business, silly me, he also intended to get into my pants. And just a week later, when I was in Los Angeles meeting with a high-ranking publicist, it happened again, again in a car, and he took my neck in his hand and he shoved my head so hard into his crotch I couldn't breathe. These are the events that suck the life out of all of your self-confidence. These are the events that, until recently, I didn't even call assault. And this is why we have so much work to do. After my years, Miss America, I continued to meet a lot of well-known people, including Donald Trump. When this picture was taken in 1988. Nobody could have ever predicted where we'd be today. <laughs> Me fighting to end sexual harassment in the workplace. He, President of the United States, in spite of it. And shortly thereafter, I got my first gig in television news in Richmond, Virginia. Check out that confident smile with the bright pink jacket. Not so much the hair. <laughs> I was working so hard to prove that blondes. Have a lot of brains, but ironically, one of the first stories I covered was the Anita Hill hearings in Washington D.C., and shortly thereafter, I too was sexually harassed in the workplace. I was covering a story in rural Virginia, and when we got back into the car, my cameraman started saying to me, wondering how much I had enjoyed when he touched my breasts when he put the microphone on me, and it went downhill from there. I was bracing myself against the passenger door. This was before cell phones. I was petrified. I actually envisioned myself rolling outside of that door as the car was going 50 miles per hour, like I'd seen in the movies, and wondering how much it would hurt. When the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, one of the most well-known movie moguls in all of Hollywood, the allegations were horrific. But so many women came forward, and it made me realize what I had done meant something. He had such a lame excuse. He said he was a product of the 60s and 70s, and that that was the culture then. Yeah, that was the culture then, and unfortunately, it still is. Why? Because of all the myths that are still associated with sexual harassment, women should just take another job and find another career. Yeah, right. Tell that to the single mom working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, who's also being sexually harassed. Women, they bring it on themselves by the clothes that we wear and the makeup that we put on. Yeah, I guess those hoodies that Uber engineers wear in Silicon Valley are just so provocative. Women make it up, yeah, because it's so fun and rewarding to be demeaned and taken down. I would know. Women bring these claims because they want to be famous and rich. Our own president said that. I bet Taylor Swift, one of the most well-known and richest singers in the world, 
didn't need more money or fame when she came forward with her groping case for one dollar. And I'm so glad she did. Breaking news. The untold story about women and sexual harassment in the workplace. Women just want a safe, welcoming, and harass-free environment. That's it. So how do we go about getting our power back? I have three solutions. Number one, we need to turn bystanders and enablers into allies. 98% of United States corporations right now have sexual harassment training policies. 70% have prevention programs. But still, overwhelmingly, bystanders and witnesses don't come forward. In 2016, the Harvard Business Review called it the bystander effect. And yet, remember 9-11. Millions of times we've heard, if you see something, say something. Imagine how impactful that would be if we carried that through to bystanders in the workplace regarding sexual harassment, to recognize and interrupt these incidences, to confront the perpetrators to their face, to help and protect the victims. This is my shout-out to men. We need you in this fight. And to women, too, enablers to allies. Number two, change the laws. How many of you out there know whether or not you have a forced arbitration clause in your employment contract? Not a lot of hands. And if you don't know, you should. And here's why. Time Magazine calls it right there on the screen, the teeny tiny little print in contracts that keeps sexual harassment claims unheard. Here's what it is. Forced arbitration takes away your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process. It's secret. You don't get the same witnesses or depositions. In many cases, the company picks the arbitrator for you. There are no appeals, and only 20% of the time does the employee win. But again, it's secret, so nobody ever knows what happened to you. This is why I've been working so diligently on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. to change the laws, and here's what I tell the senators. Sexual harassment is apolitical. Before somebody harasses you, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat first. They just do it, and this is why we should all care. Number three, be fierce. It starts when we stand tall, and we build that self-confidence, and we stand up and we speak up, and we tell the world what happened to us. I know it's scary, but let's do it for our kids. Let's stop this for the next generations. I know that I did it for my children. They were paramount in my decision-making about whether or not I would come forward. My beautiful children, my 12-year-old son, Christian, my 14-year-old daughter, Kaya. And boy, did I underestimate them. The first day of school last year happened to be the day my resolution was announced, and I was so anxious about what they would face. And my daughter came home from school, and she said, Mommy, so many people asked me what happened to you over the summer. And then she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, And Mommy, I was so proud to say that you were my mom. 
And two weeks later, when she finally found the courage to stand up to two kids who'd been making her life miserable, she came home to me and she said, Mommy, I found the courage to do it because I saw you do it. You see, giving the gift of courage is contagious. And I hope that my journey has inspired you, because right now it's the tipping point. We are watching history happen. More and more women are coming forward and saying, enough is enough. Here's my one last plea to companies. Let's hire back all those women whose careers were lost because of some random jerk. Because here's what I know about women. We will no longer be underestimated, intimidated, or set back. We will not be silenced by the ways of the establishment or the relics of the past. No. We will stand up and speak up and have our voices heard. We will be the women we were meant to be. And above all, we will always be fierce. Thank you. But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe. In awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion, religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think
was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to 10. Perhaps you've noticed we no longer have old people in this country. They're all gone now, replaced by senior citizens. Somehow we wound up with millions of these unfortunate creatures known as golden agers or mature adults. These are cold, lifeless, antiseptic terms, typically American, all ways of sidestepping the fear of aging. And it's not difficult to understand the fear of aging. It's natural, and it's universal. No one wants to get old. No one wants to die. But we do. We die. And we don't like that. So we shade the truth. I started doing it when I reached my 40s. I'd look in the mirror at that time and think, well, I guess I'm getting older. That sounded a little better than old. Sounded like it might even last a bit longer. But people forget that older is comparative, and they use it as an absolute. She's an older woman. Oh, really? Older than what? Than she used to be? Well, yeah. So? People think getting old is bad because they think being old is bad. But you know something? Being old is just fine. In fact, it can be terrific. And anyway, it's one of those things you don't get to choose. It's not optional. But that insufferable group among us known as baby boomers, ages 42 through 59, as of 2005, are beginning to get old, and they're having trouble dealing with that. Remember, these baby boomers are the ones who gave us this soft, politically correct language in the first place. So rather than admit they're getting old, the baby boomers have come up with a new term to describe themselves as they approach the grave. They don't care for middle-aged. So instead, get this, folks. Instead, they claim to be pre-elderly. Don't you love that? Pre-elderly. It's a real word. You don't hear it a lot, but it's out there. The boomers claim that if you're between 50 and 65, 
you're pre-elderly. But I'd be willing to bet that in 2011, when they begin turning 65, they will not be calling themselves elderly. I have a hunch they'll come up with some new way of avoiding reality. And I have a suggestion for them. They should call themselves the pre-dead. It's a perfect term because for them, it's accurate and it's highly descriptive. By the way, those ever-clever boomers have also come up with a word to describe the jobs they feel are most suitable for retired people who wish to keep working. They call these jobs elder-friendly. Isn't that sad? God, that's just really, really sad. And so, to sum it up, we have these senior citizens. And whether I like that phrase or not, unfortunately, I got used to it and I no longer react too violently when I hear it. But there is still one description for old people that I'll never accept. That's when I hear someone describe an old guy as being, for instance, 80 years young. Even though I know it's tongue-in-cheek, it makes my skin crawl. It's overly cute and precious, and it's an evasion. It's junk language. On CBS's 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl, God help her, actually referred to some old man as being a 90-something. Please, Leslie, I need a small personal break here. One last pathetic example in this category. On the radio, I heard Matt Drudge actually refer to people of age. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He said the West Nile virus is a particular threat to people of age. Poor Matt. Apparently, he's more fucked up than he seems. Now, going to an adjacent subject, one unfortunate fact of life for many of these 80 or 90-somethings is that they're forced to live in places where they'd rather not be. Old people's homes. So what name should we use for these places where we hide our old people? When I was a little boy, there was a building in my neighborhood called the Home for the Aged. It had a copper sign on the gate home for the aged. It always looked deserted. I never saw anyone go in. Naturally, I never saw anyone come out either. Later, I noticed people started calling those places nursing homes and rest homes. Apparently, it was decided that some of these old people needed nurses, while others just needed a little rest. What you hear them called now is retirement homes or long-term care facilities. There's another one of those truly bloodless terms long-term care facility. But actually, it makes sense to give it a name like that, because if you do, you make it a lot easier for the person you're putting in there to acquiesce and cooperate with you. I remember old people used to tell their families, whatever you do, don't put me in a home. Please, don't put me in a home. But it's hard to imagine one of them saying, whatever you do, don't put me in a long-term care facility. So calling it that is really a trick. Come on, Grandpa, it's not a home. It's a long-term care facility. By the way, while we're on this subject of the language of getting old, I want to tell you something that happened to me in New York on a recent evening. I was standing in line at the Carnegie Deli to pay my check, and there was a guy ahead of me who looked like he was in his 60s. He gave the cashier a $10 bill, but apparently it wasn't enough. When the cashier mentioned it to him in a nice way, he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I guess I had a senior moment. And I thought how sad that was. To blame a simple mistake, 
on the fact that you're in your 60s, even if you're just sort of joking, as if anyone would think a 20-year-old couldn't make the same mistake. I only mention this because it's an example of how people can brainwash themselves by adopting popular language. I wanted to pull them aside and say, listen, I just heard you refer to yourself as a senior, and I wanted to ask, were you by any chance a junior last year? Because if you weren't a junior last year, then you're not a senior this year. I wanted to say it, but I figured, why would he listen to me? After all, I'm still a freshman. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the late George Carlin. I just love listening to this guy. He makes so much sense, even though he's joking. Or <laughs> it always that question. Is he really joking? Uh, um, he kind of reminds me a little bit, uh, not in a sense that they're alike, but Richard Pryor. Uh, Richard Pryor was really, really uh, a great, great uh, um, comedian, even though some of it was just tasteless. But it, it was funny, you know. It was funny. And so many – he's gone. Richard Pryor's gone. Gene Wilder is gone. Uh, so many people just pass away. You know, people die. I mean, that's, that's the uh, ramification of it all. People, you live. Let me, put, let me go back. You're born, you live, you die. Nobody's going to get out of this alive. Any of us will be able to get out of this alive. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're still working on cleaning, cleaning out this computer because this, this computer is the one where I record the show. Okay, so I've answered a lot of the questions that some folks have sent in, few folks have sent in. I'm going to be answering a lot more of these questions tomorrow. So uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is signing off and saying, hey, uh, if you have questions you want to send in, you want me to answer or to talk about or, or for me to even give my own opinion of, you know, just drop me an inbox on Facebook or, you know, an email or whatever. Or you can even call. My phone number is all over the Internet. Um, I think that's the reason why I get so many calls, <laughs> drop calls, that is. Um, all right. So the George Wilder Jr. Show is off the air. Thanks for joining me, folks. Have a great weekend. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Have a great weekend. Have a great day. Have a great morning. Have a great any, everything. Uh, and thanks for tuning into the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you join me tomorrow. We're going to try to have this fixed, folks. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. Vote for